All right, all right, all right. What's going on, beautiful people on YouTube, on Instagram, and uh, to the podcast listeners who will be listening to this later at some point in time? What up, Black man? Welcome to the Dude Make Something podcast, where we focus on helping Black men to overcome mediocrity, to become beneficial men for their community by discussing faith, creativity, art, and culture, personal development, and mental health management. I am your host, Jamile Calpin. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me. So today I'm going to be doing my mental health check-in and I'm also going to be discussing two other things. I'm going to be discussing a psychology psychology today article entitled the rise of lonely single men. Um, it's been, it came out August 9th, but people have been commenting and sharing a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. So I'm figuring we're going to read through that article and I'm going to give some of my thoughts about it. And as well as sharing something that, uh, you know, I feel like God shared with me about making sure you have your requirements in place before you pursue your desires. You got to make sure you have what you've required before you pursue what you desire. Okay. Um, typically I would do this at the beginning of the week, but you know, Monday is close enough to the beginning of the week as we need it to be. So where have I been feeling, uh, overall in my mental, mental, my mental headspace, I've been feeling tired. And to be honest, about a couple of weeks ago, I, I finally got my vaccine and I had been putting it off for a very long time for a lot of different reasons, but because I'm transitioning into, you know, back into work, it was necessary it was required for me to, you know, get a job. So I decided to go ahead and get the vaccine. And since then, to be honest, I've been feeling like out of it, like physically, I've been feeling really drained and feeling really weak. And I just, I feel like my thinking is kind of foggy and stuff like that. And I'm not sure if it's directly tied with the vaccine, um, but I know that's that's kind of been where, where I've been mentally, just kind of like foggy and not really there. And then physically overall, I've just been feeling really, really out of it and like really weak. Like a lot of things that I, I felt comfortable doing, like carrying things or like opening stuff, I've been struggling to do that sometimes. And it's not like I'm... <laughs> like completely struggling, but I can tell like, you know, this used to be easier. So, I mean, what I'm trying to do with that is like exercise more, trying to make, make sure I'm getting sleep or whatever, but it's just been strange. It's definitely been strange. I mean, another thing that I I've been wrestling with is dealing with grief, which has kind of been messing with my head a little bit. Like I think the past couple of years, it's been really, really hard and tough for a lot of people, especially with the pandemic and all this stuff that's been going on, especially when it comes to loss, like, loss of family members or loss of friends, loved ones, anybody, like there's been so much loss that's been happening and learning and knowing how to navigate that grief is challenging. And I think, especially as men, it can be really challenging. And, you know, particularly again for the show, it's, you know, it's dedicated and focused on uh, black men, but like I've been working on how to be comfortable with being sad and grieving and dealing with heartache. Um, and that doesn't have to be like, I think a lot of times we like to associate heartache with like relationships, like romantic relationships, but learning that people are passing away seemingly rapidly is heartbreaking. And it's, it's really hard to deal with. And I think for in our culture and in our community as, as, as black men, we are often told not to cry or not encouraged to emote or share those types of emotions. But I've been sad, man. <laughs> I've been like grieving a lot of different things, like grieving the loss of 
family members grieving the loss of people like somebody that I, I grew up in church with, um, an older man who was just, you know, he was, when I was growing up and I went to a church, I would really consider it my parents' church. But like while I was there, there were a lot of people that I had a relationship with and a lot of older men that were, you know, either ministers or whatever. And there was this one guy who was significantly older, but he was a really nice guy. He was really nice. He was really kind to my family and really kind to my parents. And um, he was really, really kind to me. And uh, he recently passed away. And I think for me, expressing that one, expressing that news to my wife and like getting that news, I think before I would really try to like brush it off and try to hold in those emotions and those feelings of the fact that I was sad. Like I was sad that somebody I knew, and I'm not sure what the cause of death was. And I mean, he was older or whatever, but it's still like, even if somebody is older and they die from natural causes, death is still really hard to navigate. And I think it's important that we, as men, embrace grief, that we embrace being sad and um, being heartbroken uh, for various reasons. Um, Because if we don't do that, if we don't make space to grieve, if we don't make space to cry, if we don't make space to get those emotions out and then process those things, we continue to, one, dehumanize ourselves, which isn't, (laughs) which isn't healthy. And it's not good. Like you have emotions for a reason. You know, all of humanity was given, given these emotions um, to experience the highs and the lows. But if we are in response to our community in response to our culture, hindering ourselves from expressing those things or engaging those things or exploring those things, we're keeping ourselves from being fully human. And I think I like the way that um, Jason Wilson, the author of Battle Cry, and I mentioned him a lot because I, I think the work that he's done with his podcast, his, his YouTube content, and the two books that he's written is really, one, has been very helpful to me, um, but I think helpful to men in general. Um, and again, particularly black men, because he really encourages us to become what he, he, what he coins as comprehensive men. And that means that we are fully in touch with all of ourselves, all of our emotions, all of our thoughts, all of those things. And, um, when we aren't being comprehensive men, we are limiting our experience and we're keeping so much of ourselves from those we care about and for those from those we should be interacting with in our community. And like, it's okay to be sad, <laughs> like it's okay to cry. And even though you may not be naturally kind of a, in a, a naturally emotional person, I think that's something we have to work on and like embrace, especially as black men. Like if you have loved ones, that have passed or even even it doesn't even have to deal with death like if you are feeling sad about something explore that emotion like dig into that make room for that and i just shared on my youtube channel like three three tools to help manage your emotions like managing like having an emotional release valve to help manage your emotional and mental stress and mental health like whether it's writing out how you really feel or doing a podcast or doing a vlog for yourself like it's important to get those feelings out and to deal with them because if we don't, we're not going to be healthy and we are keeping ourselves from living, keeping ourselves from healing, keeping ourselves from being our best, best selves. And so like for me right now, like my mental health, I think it's, it's okay. Just processing things, just processing like one feeling weird, (laughs) feeling weird. Like I mentioned, 
uh, feeling weird physically, kind of having like some brain fog, but also dealing with grief. Like there's a lot of stuff in this world worth grieving about. Like the state of our community grieves me like every day, <laughs> every day that I hear about either how we're mistreated, um, our people as black people were mistreated, how we mistreat one another, how we adopt and hold on to bad ideas, bad thoughts, bad thinking. And we keep ourselves trapped um, because we hold on to these things, things that we hear in media, music, um, things that we've been indoctrinated from by the system that we live in, in, in this, this country, in this society that we live in. Like being reminded of that and seeing it and seeing how wicked it is, is grieving. Like it grieves in my heart. And yeah, it makes me sad. And sometimes like I want to cry. Other times, you know, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. You know, might, might get a little tear in my eye. But I'm not trying to fight that anymore. Like I'm not trying to run away from it because trying to remain stoic, trying to keep up appearances, almost wearing a mask isn't healthy. And it's not helping me. It's not helping me to get better or to heal or to even be in a good position to relate well to others. Like, I don't want to play that stuff off anymore. So like when I was expressing to my wife that this uh, church family member passed away, you know, yeah, I told her I was sad. And, you know, I appreciated her comforting me and stuff. And, and it was hard, but I'd rather not lie and say like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's not fine. It's it's sad. It's heartbreaking. And I mean, I'm going to be processing it. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to process those things. It's okay to be honest about where you are when you're dealing with loss, when you're dealing with grief. And make room for that. Make room to get that out like of your head. Get that out of your heart. Like, emote that. Whether you do it in private or in public, whatever. But, but get it out. Don't hold on to it. Don't hold on to it. Because it's not healthy. And if we're working to become beneficial men for and healthy men for ourselves and for those we love and our community. It's important that we be healthy. It's important that we get comfortable with grief. Not to say that there should be so much grief around us all the time, but when we are wrestling with grief, when we are experiencing grief, when we are dealing with things in this world that grieves our heart, grieves our spirit, let's not hide it, hide from it. You know, let's not run away from it. Let's embrace it so that we can be our best selves and so that we can heal and be healthy. Yeah, so that, that's where I am <laughs> immensely, kind of grieving, processing, um, trying to get clarity in my mind and stuff like that. But I mean, overall, I think I'm, I'm good. Again, like I mentioned, I'm trying to exercise, trying to walk, trying to make sure I'm having time to process. Like journaling is something that I do to process, making sure that that stuff is in place and using those tools and even talking to people helps helps a lot so if you are in the same kind of place when you're if you're dealing with things like grief or just feeling heavy make sure you're finding time to use an emotional release valve find some time to get those emotions out in the process those things um don't carry around don't carry them around silently inside of you get it out um get it out in healthy and constructive ways and again like uh, i mentioned there are videos on my youtube channel where i share some tools uh, that can be helpful for that. Anyways, all right, <laughs> moving on to the next thing. We are going to be talking about a recent article. I guess it's fairly recent. I mean, it was earlier this month, so a couple of weeks ago, entitled The Rise of Lonely Single Men. And it was written by Greg, Dr. Greg Mattis. 
I think it's he's a doctor. But yeah, I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of different commentary regarding this article, and I figured let's just sit and go through it. Let's just read read the article and see what's going on. See why you know um, men have kind of been like upset about this. <laughs> like I I guess I get it. Like from face value, I sort of understand why we as men should be upset. Oh, that's so much better. Okay upset about this article, but once I read it, I didn't, honestly, I didn't feel bad about it. So again, the title of the article is The Rise of Lonely Single Men. Men need to address their deficits to meet healthier relationship expectations. And this came out August 9th, 2022. Uh, Psychology Today is written by Greg Mattis, Psych D. Um, all right. So here are the key points. The key points are dating opportunities for heterosexual, heterosexual men are diminishing as relationship standards rise. Men represent approximately 62% of dating app users. That kind of sucks. Lowering their chances for, mass, for matches. Men need to address skills deficits to meet healthier relationship expectations. All right, here we go. Younger and middle-aged men are the loneliest they've been in generations, and it's probably going to get worse. All right. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, that in itself is <laughs> that in itself is kind of depressing, but uh, let's keep going. This is not my typical rosy view of relationships, but a reality nonetheless. Over the last thirty years, men have become a larger portion of that growing group of long-term single people. And while you don't actually need to be in a relationship to be happy, men typically are happier and healthier when partnered. And there are there's research and stuff that's been done about this. And I mean even corporations know this like they're more interested in hiring men that are married and in serious relationships because really you get more work and can commitment and consistency for men who are providing for their family so if corporations and employers know that i, I don't think there's like <laughs> anything wrong uh, about that statement right here we continue here are three broad trends in the relationship landscape that suggest heterosexual men are in for a rough road ahead dating apps whether you're just starting to date or you're recently divorced and dating again dating apps are a huge driver of new romantic connections in the united states the only problem is that upwards of 62 percent of users are men and many women are overwhelmed by the number of options they have Competition in online dating is fierce, and lucky in, in lucky in-person chance encounters with dreamy partners are rarer than ever. Um, that does definitely suck. I mean, I get it, especially with COVID. And again, I understand. Like, one, I'm married, so I'm I'm not necessarily out dating, looking <laughs> looking for um, uh, going on dates or anything like that. I'm not looking for romantic relationships. I'm working and building on the one that I'm currently in. But it does suck that, especially with a lot of the things that's been happening, happening, so many people are transitioning away from in-person activities. So it, it seems like the only way that you can meet people is online. But I mean, I don't know, just, just my thought. I, I feel like there's so many other ways that you can meet women without a specific dating app. Like you can create relationships through social media and things like that, or even using programs like Meetup. So even if it is a like a small group activity or a virtual meetup online you can find women who have sim similar interests and stuff like you stuff that you would i would assume typically do if you were dating in in like in real life you would go to places that you're interested in and look for women who are at you know that you feel compatible with it's not all about like i'm only trying to hook up like no you should be trying to develop actual relationships with 
with women. You're at, you should actually be trying to create a connection with somebody that you care about and not just thinking about smashing at the end of the day. Uh, next thing, relationship standards. With so many options, it's not surprising that women are increasingly selective. I do a live TikTok show, A Better Love Project, and speak with hundreds of audience members every week. I hear reoccurring dating themes from women between the ages of 25 and 45. They prefer men who are emotionally available, who are good communicators, and who share their values. I, Okay, I'm just going to keep reading. I'm going to come back to some of this stuff. All right, skill deficits. For men, this means a relationship means a relationship skills gap that if not addressed will likely lead to fewer dating opportunities and longer periods of being single. There's less patience for poor communication skills today. The problem for men is that emotional connection is the lifeblood of healthy, long-term love, and it requires all the skills that families still are not consistently teaching young boys. Trash. While there's probably no chances of stemming the rising tide of unintentional single men, there is some good news. The algorithms are becoming increasingly more complex on dating apps and other online platforms. One result is that great matches are on the rise. One dating app, Hinge, found through beta trials that 90% of users rated their first date positively, with 72% indicating that they wanted, wanted a second date. How can men reap the benefit of the algorithms? Level up your mental health game. That means getting into some individual therapy to address your skills gap. It means valuing, valuing your own internal world and respecting your ideas enough to communicate them effectively. It means seeing intimacy, romance, and emotional connection as worthy of your time and effort. Ultimately, we have an opportunity to revolutionize romantic relationships and establish new, healthier norms starting with the first date. It's likely that some of these romances will be transformative and healing, in healing, disrupting generational trauma and establishing a fresh culture of admiration and validation. Men have a key role in this transformation, but only if they go all in. It's going to take that kind of commitment to themselves, to their mental health, and to the kind of love they want to generate in the world. Will we step up? Okay, so it, again, the first time I read this article, I thought it was a really good article. Like, I, I didn't see anything, I didn't see anything wrong with this article. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but I understand that he, this guy got like death threats and people were like pushing back against him. And I get it. It's probably coming from incel, red pill kind of people, men who honestly don't want to take responsibility in becoming better men. I, I think that's sadly, I think that's the thing. Like they just don't want to do the work to become better. And it, it, it sucks though, because I feel like what he's talking about is very clear in, in regards to actionable steps that we can take to become better men. And it's the stuff that he's suggestion is suggesting is actually going to help us to be like better human beings in general. Like when he talks about in relationship standards, he said in regards to the women that he's talked to on the show, they prefer men who are emotionally available, who are good communicators and who share their values. So those two things becoming more emotionally available and becoming a good communicator. Why is that a bad thing? Why would we push back against that? Don't you, I mean, like, I get it. We have been indoctrinated by a whole lot of really, really, really bad ideas and rhetoric and thinking that keeps us from being full human beings, that keeps us from being beneficial men, that keeps us really from just living. So, you know, in media and in culture, we see so much about men just being like stoic, not having a lot of emotions. And like I, what I was just talking about with my mental health check-in, like not even having the space to grieve, like everything is is limited to a handful of emotions, anger, like lust, and maybe sadness at some point. But there's so, the, the, the emotional spectrum 
of, a, of a normal healthy human being is so much broader than that. But we have been we've been indoctrinated and like cultured into thinking that's not okay. We've been conformed into this image that keeps us from being who we're supposed to be, which is just human. So why would we push back against this? Why would you push back from learning how to become more emotionally available, not just for a romance, but for yourself? Like, wouldn't you want to be able to know and understand yourself better? That sounds like a win to me. And then work on becoming good, better communicators. Wouldn't you want to learn how to communicate your feelings or your thoughts or your ideas more effectively? Yes, that'll be beneficial for, you know, a romantic relationship, but it would also be beneficial for your business. <laughs> if you're, you know, working at a company or running your own business, it'd be helpful defending yourself in situations. Like if you're in court or whatever, being able to communicate your ideas, being able to communicate your thoughts, being able to communicate your feelings, just communicating in general would be better, would be more beneficial for us as men particularly as black men, because we're already looked at as stupid. We're already looked at as ignorant and violent and all of these negative stereotypes. Why wouldn't we see this as an opportunity to change the image, to change ourselves, to grow? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see the, <laughs> see the reason for the pushback. I mean, I think overall, like, even though at the start of the article, it seems very bleak. And I mean, I guess it is because we're really given two options. We're either gonna choose to continue to sit in complacency and mediocrity, or we're gonna do the work to actually get better. Again, not only for romantic relationships, but for ourselves. Actually doing that work of going to see a therapist, getting counseling, learning and expanding our emotional intelligence, becoming more effective in communication, in, in communicating is gonna help us be better people in general. It's going to help us to become more beneficial as men in general. So I, I don't see any reason to push back against that. Like, why would we fight that? It's something good for us. <laughs> it helps us to become better. It helps us overall. Hey, black man, I would encourage you lean into those things. The, the stuff that he recommends, you know, he recommends getting counseling. He recommends doing the internal work to grow in emotional intelligence, to grow in communication. All of those things are good don't run away from that. It may be hard because we haven't been encouraged to do that for a very long time. Like he mentions in the article, okay, yeah, in the skills deficits paragraph, the problem for men is that emotional connection is the lifeblood of healthy long-term love. And it requires all the skills that families still are not consistently teaching young boys. That sucks. That sucks. And I mean, I think it sucks for women uh, who are looking for relationships, but it's so imbalanced. Like women have been nurtured and taught and required to develop all of these skills, whether it is based off of community, whether it is based off in the influence of culture, but they've been almost given this leg up in how to communicate more effectively, how to emotionally express themselves more effectively, given that room to do that while we have been neglected. And I think it sucks because that neglect comes from trying to hold on to these traditional ideas, these traditional ideals of what a man is supposed to be. And it's not helping. It's not helping us move forward. It's not helping our community. It's not benefiting anybody besides trying to keep this old traditional idea alive. It, it sucks <laughs> and it sucks. It's, it sucks really bad. And, but again, we have the choice. We have the choice to either stay complacent and stay mediocre and continue to, to complain and um, 
point the finger and say, no, it's quote unquote modern women that are the problem. Or we can see based off of information, based off of observations that professionals are making, that observations that are made throughout our society, that as men, there are areas that we can step in, step up in so that we can change our community, so that we can change our culture, we can change our society. Really just focusing on mental health, emotional intelligence, and, you know, doing the work of becoming more effective communicators. You know, these could be considered quote unquote soft skills. We need them too, and we can develop them. There's so many resources out there available, even low key, even though <laughs> this podcast is, is, is focused on helping us to develop that. Like, I, these are things that I know I want to develop too. And of course, that's, that's what I'm trying to share on this podcast and with all that do make something content, trying to share more things that can help us become more beneficial men. Two choices, remain mediocre and then continue to increase this, this loneliness statistic, <laughs> like continue to keep that going. Or we can do the work to make that percentage smaller. We can do the work to become, you know, more desirable to the opposite sex and like, Nowhere in this did he talk about money. Nowhere in this did he talk about fitness. Nowhere in this did he talk about what kind of car you drive. It was literally all like soft skills, our emotional intelligence, our mental health, and communicating. I don't know. Again, I, I don't see the I don't see any issue with this article. To me, it's it is a charge to do the work of becoming a better man. That's all it is. It's a charge to do the work to become a beneficial man for myself and for my community. So I don't know. You can let me know your thoughts. Do you disagree with the article? Do you not think men need to step up to become healthier uh, for relationships? I don't know. You let me know. All right. Moving on to the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which really, I think this is something that during my prayer time, I believe God was helping me work through something that I've been processing. Like I mentioned in a previous episode, I'm in the process of starting a new job um, soon. And with that, I'm excited about it. I really am. I'm really excited about starting this new opportunity and, you know, having some more steady income. Something that I, I spend time doing is looking up personal development stuff, but also looking up business things because I want to start my own business. I want to be self-employed, which I've been self-employed now for a few years. Um, so I want to continue to grow that. And when I'm doing research with that, reading articles, reading books, listening to YouTube channels, podcasts, podcasts and stuff like that. Oftentimes it's encouraged that you dream big. It's encouraged that you, you know, try to get to the heart behind why you're doing your business, why you're doing chasing after whatever, whatever your dreams are. And something that I realized that I wrestle with is it's really hard to dream. And it's really hard to focus on your desires when your bare minimum, bare necessity requirements aren't straight. And I understand that's that's the case for a lot of other people too, you know. Whether you're single, married, doesn't matter. I think it's really hard. I've, I found it to be really hard to dream, particularly for me as as a, as a man. It's really hard for me to dream and to have a vision beyond the right now. And what I realized and what I was re reminded of is you you have to have those requirements, those things set in place first, that bare minimum, that bar, so that you can make room for your desires. So you can make room for your dreams. So you can make room for just thinking, visioning, you know, fantasizing about where you would like to go and where you would like to be. 
because it not to say that you can't do it when you're struggling you can't not saying that you can't do it when you're like upside down and underwater yeah but I, i know it's a lot easier to do that when the requirements are being met when like you're not worrying worrying about the next check you're not worrying about paying that next bill i've really just been encouraged to like really focus on getting those requirements set and getting those things in place so that I can make room for my desires. Because I, I believe and understand that our life is more than that. Our life is way more than bills, taxes, all that stuff. Like just working a regular job. Our life is more than that. And we're called to so much more than that. But we have to set the stage for us to build upon first. We have to set that bare minimum stage of the requirements so that we can pursue and develop and chase after those desires. So like for me, yeah, paying bills is a requirement. I got to make sure that's done and out of the way, basic, bare minimum. Even in my health, like making sure I sleep seven, eight hours is a bare minimum, bare minimum requirement for me to live a healthy life. When it comes to managing my mental health, my emotional health, making sure that I have an emotional release valve in place every day, once a week, whatever, that's a bare minimum to being able to manage my mental health in a good way. And my desire, ultimately, is to get to a better, healthier place. Like a desire for my mental health is making sure that I can regularly regularly go to a counselor or to a therapist. That's something I'm committing to, that I desire, and then I'm going to get there. But until then, my bare minimum requirement is that I journal every day, that I get my thoughts out and I get my feelings out. That's my bare minimum requirement that I need for myself. You know, like we have to put those things in place. There's a scripture that um, is a really good nugget. It's in Proverbs, I believe. But, you know, sometimes you can be reading scripture and reading it over and over and over again. And sometimes we just miss stuff because we're just casually reading it. We're distracted. We're not fully present, whatever. We, (laughs) We just miss it. And, but that's the beauty, I think, of reading, reading scripture, uh, reading the Bible is that there's always something new that you can find, even if you've read it before. So the scripture that comes to mind is uh, Proverbs 24, verse 27. And I think this is a good idea, a good thought, good, good action plan. Um, but in King James, it uh, reads, prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. ESV version. Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. And I think that ties into the idea of like, you have to get what you require first before you pursue your desire. And honestly, I just feel like God was, God was reminding me of that. It's like, Hey, I understand that you have these, these dreams and these desires and things that you want to accomplish. And I want you to accomplish those things. You know, God has for us, he, he wants a life full of, of abundance, of prosperity, of beautiful things. I can't remember. I'm not going to look at the scripture because it's probably going to take too long. But um, the idea of like overly, abundantly, above and beyond our expectation of, of, of life. That's what God has for us. That's what the Most High has for us, for all of his people. He wants so much more than just mediocrity. He wants so much more than just a regular J-O-B and taxes and just born. <laughs> um, and, you know, I understand that that can be different for different people, but the idea is that he has so much more for us and those desires and those dreams that are in us, the ones that he placed there, 
He wants us to accomplish those things. But before we get there, we have to get the requirements met. We have to get those bare minimum things met so that we can build on them, you know, and that appears in so many different ways. Like you want good friends and good relationships, bare minimum thing you can do, be kind to people, listen to people, be generous, you know, little stuff like that. Like it seems little, but it's a bare minimum requirement for a good and healthy relationship. And so the reason I bring that up is that I don't want us to overlook the bare minimum requirements that we need to have and meet in our own lives, particularly when it comes to our emotional and mental health. We need to take time to do that work to make sure that we are okay, that we are healthy, you know, that we're in a good space so that we can be and become beneficial men, healthy men for those around us and ultimately for God's glory. So that's it for this episode. I just wanted to share those things and talk on that, talk on those few subjects. Um, so, I mean, again, I appreciate it for those who are watching on YouTube, listening on, uh, listening on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. If you are watching on YouTube, please like, share and subscribe. I'm trying to grow the channel. I really am. <laughs> so I'm working on continuing to do these podcasts and also sharing other video content and stuff like that. And for those who are listening uh, on your favorite podcasting app, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd really, really appreciate it. And um, you can always hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is Jamile Calpin at Jamile Calpin on Instagram and Twitter. Send me a message. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know your thoughts or comments. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show. Be sure to like, subscribe, I said all this stuff, but this is just my outro. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube and rate and review on your favorite podcasting app. Black Man, you're called for more than mediocre living. You're here for a purpose, to live for glory and for good. Let's do the work and keep choosing to live a vibrant and excellent life. Until next time, go make something for yourself, of yourself, and go make something for God's glory and the good of others. Peace.